Welcome to the 16th episode of the Game Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Thompson. Here with me are a couple of Platinum Pros, Andrew Brown and Michael Majors. And we're going to be talking about some Kaladesh Standard. Last week, we kind of went over a lot of cards in the set and just kind of talked about them a little bit. You know, thumbs up, thumbs down kind of stuff. And now we're actually talking about specific cards again, but in this instance, actually putting them in decks. And thank God for Michael Majors because he's been doing a lot of work. What? Yeah, and this is just my favorite time. So I have a million decks, and uh, you know, been writing about them on Star City, starting to do like some versus series stuff. Really exciting. This the set is super cool. Lots of synergy and cool cards to build around, and I've been having a lot. Of fun. You sound like it, man. You just sound really enthused, dude. No secrets, majors. But seriously, we've done sixteen of these. Uh, yeah, that's a lot, right? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. All right. I guess it's been a while. That's all right. After, once, once the Pro Tour happens, you know, we'll take a little break or whatever. Yeah, so Majors is killing it, busting his ass as usual, building a bunch of sweet decks. I'm sure Andrew is doing the same thing, but can't talk about it. So we're kind of just going to defer to Majors on this one. So Majors does a really cool thing that I think very few people do where he, like, looks at a card, like this first one, Metalwork Colossus, and is just like, how, how do I build around this or whatever? Instead of most people just being like, oh, like 10 mana, garbage card, whatever. So like... 11 mana. 11, sorry. It, it's Is it 10-10? <laughs> is that where I got confused? Yeah, it, it is a 10-10. It's, it's numbers yeah. are kind of weird on paper. Yeah, it's not... Uh, I don't know. What's the word where everything like lines up and looks pretty? Aesthetically pleasing? Symmetrical? Yes. yes, both of those. Both of those were the two words. What what makes you look at this card and like actually want to build around this versus what everyone else does, which is just kind of like dismiss it? A couple things. One is that uh, vehicles are not creatures, so they they work for this as long as they are not crude, which is kind of like a weird thing that you know obviously we're not used to because vehicles are brand new. But like on the same token, like for instance, you can't dustwatch recruiter into a vehicle, which seems unintuitive, but you know it's just the case. Two is. A undercosted colorless card, even though it costs literally CMC 11. So it's kind of similar to Emerge. And the reason I bring that up is because it can uh, trigger Sanctum of Ugin. Certainly something worth talking about and noting. And it's also just like gigantic and can clock an opponent really easily if you put a little work into it, like Key to the City, Elder Deep Fiend. I'm sure those are some cards we'll talk about in a little bit. And the last one, which is a uh, deck that I am about to do a Versus series tomorrow and and should be posted, I guess, next week. We have a combustible gear hole, the red one. So, you know, it's pretty scary in your Metalwork Colossus deck for your opponent to, you know, roll the dice and try to take some damage. Well, I mean, what if what if they're just, like, okay with taking 15 because you don't have a board presence or whatever? Do you think that that's going to be a thing or no? I don't know. I mean, they could just literally die at any point. No, yeah. I get that. But I think a lot of people would just roll the dice. Sure, sure. I mean, that's definitely possible. But at least, like, when you're building a shell like with colossus and this and key to the city you know they're never safe you know yeah i guess i guess if you go like smuggler's copter into the crane and like actually start digging them then they actually have to just let you draw three which is pretty nice yeah and plus like when uh let's say you like you have a vehicle out and then like you play the colossus and then no no the 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 red gear hulk and then they like take a bunch and then you can just crew something immediately and smash them like that's reasonable Card also just like naturally scales. Like it's gonna start costing zero basically. Yeah. And then it's just insane with Sanctum of Ugin, right? Yes. 
Okay, so enablers are a couple vehicles. You have Smuggler's Copter, uh, the three mana, mana rock one. Mm -hmm. Cultivator's Caravan. And, and the big one is Hedron Archive, which you know is functionally six mana for this thing. Are you playing a Sky Sovereign? Uh, no, I'm not. Okay. That card's pretty good. Prophetic Prism is good too, right? Yes, Prophetic Prism is, is a nice little enabler. It's been going in a lot of different uh, decks that I have, even, you know, like one color ones. Yeah, it, it seems like that's the thing, because uh, one of the lists you sent me was like, you know, 20 islands, engulf the shores, one mountain, and some K returns to go with your Colossi and your DP. Oh, yeah, that, sorry. That, that's another Metalwork Colossus deck. I got a couple of my guests. Yeah. That, I mean, that was the one that I love, just because it's like engulf with that thing seems awesome. Uh, you get to basically like backdoor K return, and the mana's not even that bad, right? Yeah, and you can also like play this thing for cheap and like part the water veil and just pound them or like deep oh, yeah, them. Oh, yeah, part the water veil. Oh, yeah, man. Part the water veil is nice. Are you, are you metallurgic summoning? No, no. No, I'm ah. just. I, I, I'm not going to try to, like, break my back to play a card that I think is, like, mediocre. And I, I just don't actually think Metal Pork Colossus is bad. And also it has another ability, which we haven't even talked about, which is that you can return it from your graveyard for sacrificing two artifacts, which probably isn't going to come up very much, but it still gives you this inevitability thing. Kind of awkward that it, it sort of turns itself off, you know, but, like, obviously you're just going to try and keep your big CMC stuff, probably Saxon Prisms or whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to come up much, but, like, again, it's just, if you're playing, it's like a Ruinous Path deck. It just makes your deck more threat dense, so. Yeah, so that's pretty sweet. And, like, I, I think the big thing, too, is that the set has uh, a little over 20% artifacts once you once you discount basic lands. It, it's very clear that the set is telling you to play with artifacts, right? So it's like, you have some enablers, like, you want to play with the crane and you want to hit with the crane, it's like, what do you do with it? And Colossus is a very nice payoff, and it just happens to work with a bunch of cards that already exist. Yeah, I, I think people are way too quick to dismiss this card. Well, it's it's scary, man. You're talking about playing, like, cranes and copters and K-returns and Colossuses and just, like, in this weird shell that people have never seen before, right? Like, you're, you're just building an entirely new archetype. Like, this sort of deck has never existed in Magic, period. Yeah, it's a affinity combo aggro thing this is, this is like brood star time walk or whatever yeah actually <laughs> it kind of that's a pretty apt comparison actually yeah so that's pretty dope so far uh, like how do you feel about this deck like you think that this is something that you want to continue working on that you think might actually be good or is this just something that it's like it, it feels like it's kind of short yeah i think this is this deck is super cool so far um the version I played more with is the more like mono blue slanted with engulf the shores and flint crane and uh, torrential gear hulk. But I am really excited to play the uh, red gear hulk version tomorrow. Okay, cool. Andrew, any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I also think Colossus is great. We definitely have some stuff going on with it. It's not a bad card by any stretch. Yeah, just going off of Sanctum of Ugin is pretty nice. But I think the card that ties this this together is is Key to the City, and I'm 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 going to say a lot of good things about Key to the City, and I, I wrote in my article this week that I think it's the most underrated card in the set right now. Agree. Okay. Well, why don't we just jump into that one then? Yeah. Perfect. The Key to the City is I think a lot of people just kind of naturally assume it's like a hyper aggressive card, or it's purely for like enabling like discard strategies, and all those things are true because you know it allows you to have reach, gives your creatures unblockable. And, you know, obviously it's a it's a free discard outlet, which is good with, like, Aldarian Pariah, Haunted Dead, Prized Amalgam, or, you know, any other madness stuff you want to mess with. But the fact that you can get into a board stall against an opponent, they can just never beat this card. 
because you're hitting them with your biggest thing, which might be like, you know, like a five power tireless tracker. It might be a metal or Colossus, an Elder Deep Fiend, whatever. And then you're also just effectively drawing two cards a turn. You can just discard a, like, excess land. So in any kind of, like, mid-range battle, even assuming we're just playing super fair, if one person has key to the city, then they're just going to beat the other person. Yep, this has pretty much been my experience as well. Just overall fantastic card, does so much, and just the inevitability factor on it is so high. You know, it's really hard to look at this card and say, like, wow, this is going to win me a bunch of games. But, like, once you get into them and you see how it works, it's, like, very obvious how this card is really, really, really good. I, I try to build it. So I've incorporated this into more decks, uh, especially, like, Haunted Dead Prize Amalgam strategies, various variations of that. But my, my favorite uh, deck with this card right now is kind of like a blue-green go hellbent with Gear for Ori, News Constrictor, Lupine Prototype. And it's, it's a little deep, I'm not going to lie, but it's uh, a lot of fun. Well, I think it's great. I, I Like, you sent me that deck list, too, and I'm just like, Jesus. Like, this is just so impressive, the amount of things that are going on. It's like, what, you had Tracker in the deck, too, right? Yeah, Tracker, and uh, you guys actually know how to pronounce it. Is it Verdorus, Earhulk? I, I would assume that it's Verdorus. Yeah, Verdorus. We got, so we got some Latin roots going on in the front. If I just trick myself into thinking that I'm saying Verdorus, then I'll say it right every time. Yeah, Verdorus. All right, duly noted. Anyways, the Green Gear Hulk. Yeah, I have that in this deck as well. Alongside, like, Glint Nest Crane and Smuggler's Copter. So it's, like, kind of a weird blue-green madnessy beat-down artifact deck, but I've been having a lot of fun with it. And Gear Priori is obviously stupidly powerful if you can, you know, actually activate it every turn, which News Constrictor enables, Key to the City helps out a lot with, you know, various other moving parts. And it's very unlikely to backfire, too. It's pretty unlikely. Like, it, it, you can certainly, like, against aggressive matchups, I guess, if if the game starts to stall out a little bit, then, you know, maybe it could be a liability. But, like, even, like, so, so for instance, like, News Constrictor plus this plus Key to the City, you can just, like, hit your opponent for, like, nine or whatever, and they just die. That's sweet. Alternatively, they could just, like, fiery temper you a bunch, you know, just, like, start burning you out or whatever, which would kind of suck. But, I mean, you oh, have yeah, Constrictor, that's... and they don't, so... I feel like you're a pretty big favorite. This card is definitely scary, like a blue red deck. Yeah, that's that's kind of been my impression of some of the format so far. I just die a lot to burn spells, but yeah, red is definitely back. There, it is kind of stupid the disparity in power level between red now and then you know two months ago or whatever. Yeah, just like the helicopter plus fiery temper is just so good. Like it's. I don't know, just like Copter allows allows like the aggressive decks to like filter their draws and you know, you have key and it's just there's so many more inevitability and reach in the red decks like they didn't have before that like I think they're gonna be really, really strong moving forward. Okay, well let's let's skip to this one. Let's talk about these red decks, because mm-hmm. so far my experience with this format is like looking at cards, building decks, and talking to majors. Like, basically, like, he's covering all my blind spots, which is pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Once I actually get down to it and, you know, I, I goldfished basically mono-red for, like, 30 games a couple days ago, and we're going to be playing some games tomorrow and the next day majors. If you want to come up here, that'd be great. But, yeah, things like Smuggler's Copter and Bowman Courier, like, they have... Like, you would think that they're, they're combat damage triggers, but they're not. Like... Courier is an attack trigger. Uh, Copter is attacks or blocks. Yeah, the block are, thing is super weird. They're both just very generous, which is just like, look, you, you have to play with this card, you know, because it, it wouldn't be like that. It wouldn't say that text on the card if it wasn't meant to be played with, you know, to make it just a little bit more appealing. Yeah. 
As yeah. if the copter needed to be more appealing, really. <laughs> yeah, that card is uh, quite it's quite something. Yeah, the, the, the block thing makes... I, I guess it does make sense because they never want to, like... They don't want to punish you super hard for, like, playing copter on turn three after you, like, play your first creature. So, like, you can crew it up and play defense and get a trigger off of it. But the, the, the block uh, text is super push for sure. Yeah, yeah that I, and, and crew one is just... Crew like one nothing. is just absolutely absurd. Just, like, just the nut draws that the red deck can have is you just, like, go... Like Inventor's Apprentice into Copter into like play another Doofus, crew it, attack for five, and oh, discard Fiery Temper. We got the Bushwhacker. Where's the Bushwhacker at? Oh, yeah, that's sweet too. Uh, I Yeah, Bushwhacker and Copter is really nice because you can like play Copter and then play Bushwhacker and then Bushwhacker trigger on the stack. You can crew Copter and then it's a 4 3 Haster. So good. Just, just busted, man. Yeah, I, I have some uh, crew, put, put crew on the stack and golf the shore. It's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Vehicles are weird. Okay, so back to this red deck. The interaction that I like the most is PNLR and Scrap Heap Scrounger. And I think a lot of people at this point are just like building mono red decks or like green red decks because they look like the most obvious. But I was, I was constantly coming up short on artifacts that I actually wanted to play with to turn on Inventor's Apprentice. So... It's just like, okay, well, how much work would we have to do to actually splash Scrap Heap Scrounger? Because, like, I, I think the the backside of that card is relevant, just like the return text, you know? It's, like, not going to come up a ton, but it certainly will. <laughs> so it's like, you know, maybe I can get, like, 10 or 11 kind of, like, free black sources in my deck, and maybe if I want to play on License Disintegration, like, probably in my sideboard or something, because I want to be very aggressive and have a low curve and stuff. Probably don't want to main deck it, but maybe... Maybe it's good. I don't know. It's just like Black Red's mana is kind of tough. Like you have Aether Hub, but you like Smoldering Marsh is just abysmal, especially once you have Aether Hub. So anyway, really want to get the Scrounger in my deck. Thought it was pretty reasonable. Thought I could play a light black splash basically for free. And the interaction between that and PNLR, I think, is phenomenal where you just get to falter two things like very easily. Yeah, that just strikes me as like a little bit too slow but i can see how if the format like gets into a place where there are more board stalls that that can be impressive but no i'm, I'm not even thinking about it as being a slow thing like a thing that you're gonna do on on turn 10 or whatever and like if it is something that comes up on turn 10 cool you know you're probably gonna have the mana for it i mean unless you've just been like coppering all game but sure then if you're coppering all game then they're probably dead so i don't know but yeah I, I feel like this is just like a turn five thing where like if you have this in play you can sack it bring it back sack it again and that's four mana. Their two biggest things can't block, and and they probably just die. Yeah, key key also fills that role. Sure, you can also just like crew it in between, or like use it to crew like mm -hmm. two things potentially. So that's I don't know. that that's what I've been most impressed with. Pia, like she can crew you player, and then she crews the best two vehicles in the format, which are the copter and the what call it the five the five three fleet wheel cruiser. Yeah, so I really like this red deck. I, I, there's a ton of different ways to build it, too. Like, I don't know how many one-drops I want. Like, I don't know if I want to play burn spells or things like Creative Spark. Uh, or even just the, the R, Target Creature Can't Block Draw card, I think is pretty nice. And all those cards turn on Bushwhacker, which is sweet. Mm -hmm. or spark, spark of creativity, I suppose. That's the uh, burn something or play the card thing? Yeah, I like yeah. that card a lot. That card's really, really cool. Majors, do you have any thoughts on these red decks? No, I think you guys have mostly covered them. Uh, I do think Scrap Heap Scrounger is, is an interesting thing to incorporate into these decks because, you know, obviously you want to turn on the one drop and it does have some nice energy with uh, PNLR, but, 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I agree. I think the red-green deck is the most obvious, but probably the worst aggressive deck. Because you're yeah, kind of just like, you're wanting to like, you have some good stuff on rate, like Voltaic Brawler is powerful, and like, mm-hmm. I guess you want to play like Lot's New Hellion, but I don't know. I, I, I think that just going lower to the ground is, is more effective. Generally, you don't want to be playing the, like a bunch of expensive cards or four mana cards. You just want to like kill them as fast as possible. Yeah, once you incorporate Brawler, I feel like the deck is probably, it, it probably feels a little light on artifacts. And I don't know, I just feel like the Scrounger is probably a better two-drop for what you want to be doing. And I also don't think that it's necessarily true that you can play Brawler and also not play Scrounger. Because you're still going to have Aether Hub, and then uh, you can play, like, some green-black Fastlands if you wanted to, if you want to try and make your mana base atrocious with, like, Game Trail and stuff. <laughs> game Trail's fine. It, uh, it's fine. It's less fine once, like, you, you know, you start cutting forests for other non-basics. But. That's true. I would definitely want the red-green deck to be, like, playing... Uh, the mana creature, which I can't think of the name off the top of my head. Servant of uh, the Conduit. Servant of the Conduit, thank you. And, uh, you know, working towards maybe, like, Chandra Torch of Defiance and Murderous Gearhold and whatnot. And less of this, like, one-drop, two-drop kind of play. Yeah, I'm kind of down with that, actually. Yeah, I, I've been super, super, super impressed with Servant of the Conduit. It's been really, really good. It basically doesn't have a drawback, and it survives Liliana, so it's great. Also, just, like, um, added utility of not making your Aether Hubs into Tendo Ice Bridges is great. Yeah, there's there's many situations where, for whatever reason, your your curve just works out to where you don't actually need this to be a mana creature, so you're just attacking with it anyways, and then you just generate it to energy for your other creatures. Man, I want, I want to play Magic now. Yeah, dude, I've been playing so much Magic. It's great. I have so many questions and so few answers. Yeah, you guys like choose to play in paper, too, when you can just play like 100 games super fast online. You don't know nothing right. about my life. <laughs> I mean, we, we could do that, but it's it's nice to get one or the other of us, possibly both, like out of our houses and you know interact with people socially and whatnot. I walked <laughs> outside today. Come on, I'm I'm not saying that. I assume that you are socially active. I'm saying that majors and I aren't necessarily. Oh, sure. I guess not. Not, not everything's about you, Andrew. Well, I that was rough. <laughs> Personal attacks. <laughs> What it's worth, I actually do like playing with new cards on Moto because, you know, especially when there's, like, weirdo stuff going on, like, vehicles, like, visualizing that stuff on the stack is certainly useful, and, like, sure. you know, when I was playing with, like, Emerge, Sanctum, Kozlik's Return at the beginning of Eldritch Moon, then, like, being able to visualize that stuff is, is really important for kind of figuring out how the games work. Yeah, I agree with that. It's just my biggest knock against the Moto beta is, like, leaks, and you just can't take back. Like, if, if you, like, make one mistake, like, you kind of, like don't get the optimal like learning process like oh i did that wrong let's see like what happens if we like reverse it and we do it like that and uh yeah but but that just boils down to like kind of stuff we've talked about in the past it's like so you lost that game whatever like you know that mistake is going to you know stick out to you because you you messed up well i mean sure but if you if you can rewind the game and like get to a state where you like actually do the thing you're trying to do or you can learn as much as you can through like you know prolonging the game it's like much better so most of those situations it's like if they're actual mistakes or misclicks like i think both are okay but you can you should you know try to form good habits and like actually try to not make mistakes you know like actually think yeah, about stuff i mean just like jamming a million games and undoing things a bunch but if it does get to that situation i i haven't ever encountered a situation where it's like oh like 
you know, what was in your hand, here's what's in my hand, like, I can't tell who is going to win or whatever, like, it's pretty easy to figure things out from there. Like, yeah, sure, it's easy to figure it out, but I mean, I, I like the process of actually still actually playing it out, you know, instead of just kind of using our imagination. Well, it's yeah, also I, nice to just, like, talk about the games, you know? Yeah, sure, I mean, we're always on Skype, and, like, we generally t try to have someone watching our games, like, we have, like, two people playing and then one bird, and, like, the bird will put in input on like both of the games. So like, I know just like the maximum amount of information that can be gleaned from the game is like what we try and do. And like, you know, it takes backs and what was the other thing I said? Oh yeah. Speed. Like, uh, moto, the moto interface is a little slow sometimes. And, uh, I don't like that. How do you maximize learning, but simultaneously or as fast as possible? I don't know. That seems like an oxymoron. No, it's just the, I'm just talking about the interface ex itself of moto, right? Well, I think what he's saying is that how are you learning things when you're just trying to like speed through this stuff? Like at some well, point you actually have to like sit down and talk about things too. Yeah. I mean, that's what we have. Like we have like post-match discussions and like the bird kind of like gathers thoughts about the match and like talk about it afterwards. Have you started playing with sideboards yet? God, no. <laughs> it, we, just, just want to make sure, man. We usually start sideboarding after we see week one of SCG. That's about the time I usually start putting sideboards in. That's pretty late, honestly. Yeah, I mean, no. I just I just want to figure out, like, what's... I don't know. So, it, it is late. I also understand where he's coming from, but at the same time, like, how good a deck sideboard can be is a big selling point to me, at least. I, I think before the SCG, we're just trying to figure out how all the cards work together, and, like, divulging into sideboards can possibly dilute your vision in terms of, like, dreaming big as possible and like trying to do the craziest things. I mean, you don't even necessarily have to play with them. It's just, you know, you should be thinking about them for sure. You don't have to like cut it down to 15 cards. Just like write down the eight to 10 cards that you would want in your sideboard. I mean, I, I do that with like both decks and sideboards. I just write down every card I want and then figure out the numbers. 4X Kiora, 4X Dovenbon. We're done. Aren't those the same card? <laughs> no, <laughs> Kiora can mill Kozlex return. It's the best. Oh, okay. Sorry, I, I was thinking uh, the old Kiora. Oh yeah, the the, old, the, those are okay. the same card. Yeah. Uh, okay, so last card, Verdurus Gear Hulk. I think that's how you say it. Andrew, Andrew hates this card. Yeah, I don't know. Like fr from what I'm hearing from you guys, it seems like you guys just have this like no rush twenty minutes clause when you play games. And you like agree to play fair and like play these five mana, four mana, six mana cards and like shake hands to not attack and like i don't know how you guys aren't dying before like you play these cards and they're not even like that over the top this card helps you kill them <laughs> that is the point of this card it's only four it's only four like I okay so like if if you have a two two and they have a three three right or you have two two twos and they have two three threes you can just like put two counters on each and then you get in like four damage trade up which is sweet or you could just like put a million counters on one or something like you get to do a lot of sweet stuff that forces through damage and like upgrades your creatures and you know makes it harder for them to block or makes it easier for you to block if you're in a situation where you need to do that like i mean i i agree with all of this it's just i think our environments are very different we're doing like crazy stuff where people die really fast and it's like highly uninteractive but like in a in a universe where like Everybody's like, you know, playing planeswalkers, playing sorcery speed stuff. Like, I can totally see how this card is excellent. It's just so far in my universe, it has not been great. 
And granted, uh, this is not the kind of card that like I try to build with because you know it's yeah, it's a it's a big green monster. I get your aversion to it. I understand. I don't know. It's just weird because it's like it, it seems difficult for me to believe that you can play sweepers that are not Kozlux return in a format with vehicles because that just seems dangerous. Yes. So this thing actually can like put one of your things out of K return range, like allow it to beat through Elder Deep Fiend on like a different turn, you know, like this thing actually like if people are not casting Wrath of God against you, then this card is awesome. It's just always going to be awesome. Yeah. Th that also brings me another point that I've kind of like realized so far, like in our initial like testing, this has been like a pretty rock, paper, scissory kind of format where one deck just kind of like smashes the other one. Have you guys encountered this at all, or is it pretty fair? Are you guys playing Big Game Hunters? Big Game Hunters? Sorry, that's a StarCraft reference. Uh, okay. Essentially, like, are you guys... Sorry, sorry. So essentially, like, are, are your guys' games, like, rock, paper, scissory, as in, like, you know, like, one deck will just smash the other, or, like, the other one smashes the other one really fast? I, I just want to play, like, five games, realize the card or two that is bad, and just like keep adjusting my deck. Like I don't have any like, you know, internal metagame. I mean, I'm not talking about like an internal metagame. I'm just like talking about how the decks match up against each other. If your decks have very little interaction and your decks are just like streamlined to do the thing that they're trying to do, then yes, it will eventually devolve into rock, paper, scissors. But that's not what the real metagame is going to look like. The real metagame is actually going to have interaction because people are going to figure out ways that they can build their decks in order to actually like you know, beat some of the things that you're doing. Like, people are going to be able to beat mono-red decks. That's just a thing. And once that starts happening, then maybe, like, your Metalwork Colossus deck gets a lot better or something because you don't have to try and fight through mono-red and you get to beat up on mid-range decks, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, that's pretty much what I was saying. But yeah, like, mono-red is going to beat Colossus. Colossus is going to beat Gearapore Orrery, and that deck is probably going to beat mono-red or whatever. Like, I can totally understand that being, like, an actual metagame. But if, if what you're trying to do is just learn how the cards interact and stuff, then it really doesn't matter who's winning. Yeah, that's true. It's hard for me to believe that, like, you're effectively getting under Verderous Gear Hulk because, like, this is a card that, like, when you pair it with Reflector Mage, Spell Queller, Sylvan Advocate, anything that with, like, a significant amount of toughness, Glint and S Crane, then, like, suddenly nothing can get through those cards and you're just, like, clocking your opponent. Sure. We actually haven't really explored Bantamio too much. So oh, it just... seems like a mistake. Band yeah, company is so great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely a point. It's like, oh man, we tested a lot for Pro Tour Shadows, but we never got around to testing Band Company. You know, like, <laughs> all right, guys, let's go. You know, it's really good against vehicles. Tamio, Tamio, <laughs> yeah. For for God knows <laughs> why reason, the Tamio just locks down non lands. It just hits anything. I wonder if that was a conscious development thing. It might have been. It seems like it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I feel like. like it yeah, Tomio's like, okay, right? But we we actually want it to be good. I wonder what the timeline was, like if they knew the Collected Company was going to sit on top of that or not. I think the most ironic interaction in the entire uh, format is Tamio can shut down uh, Deadlock Trap, basically indefinitely. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Anyway, uh, so so what, what's, in, what's in your Gearhulk decks? Majors, you have a band one, obviously, you got some flyers, and what else? I have a blue-green one, which is, I, we already talked about, kind of the, the Hellbent deck. I mean, I have, like, some generic, like, red-green aggro ones, but I'm less impressed with those decks. Those are kind of what I was talking about, kind of the go a little bit bigger with mana acceleration and just, you know, 
Sylvan Advocate, good cards, whatever. That's it. But certainly the most impressive deck is basically just Bant Company without company. The the, the coolest card with, with Gearhawk, because like all the random ETB triggers that we're used to, like Reflector Mage, Spellqueller, etc., is, is Essence Flux. That is just a, a huge beating with those cards. I don't know, man. If if turn five Gearhawk is too slow, I'm sure turn six Gearhawk plus Essence Flux is too slow. Well, then you just got to go turn four Reflector Mage, flux it, and then we can catch up. Mm. Makes a lot of sense. New Reflector Mage not hitting vehicles is... That's come that's, up. That's fine. I mean, it, it hits, like, it keeps their board presence back, right? And if then they, like, play something in crew, then they can't necessarily block, and then you're just, like, in this racing situation, but, you know, they had to skip a turn, basically. Like, I feel like that's probably okay. Yeah. Homie, I just said Essence Flux. We can hit vehicles now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Also, like, News Constrictor is a card that's I think is going to get better because, you know, probably less Emrakuls going around than there were previously. Less just generally powerful cards. Like, you're not having to, like, compete with, like, Lamhole Pass plus plus Thali's Lieutenant as frequently. And this card just, like, matches up fine against Smuggler's Copter. Not great, but they can't just, like, attack into it for free. Yeah, yeah I, feel, I feel like people underrate how big of a tempo advantage pitching two cards to get their copter is going to be. Oh, yeah, it's huge. Obviously, you're losing two cards, and that sucks, but, like, you ate their, like, two or three drop, you ate their, like, creature crewing it, and, like, you mm -hmm. still have something on the battlefield. Well, you, you tap their creature. You eat it. Right, but that, that means you get to attack them. Yeah. The, the, the effectiveness of the creature that turn is a better way of saying it. And then you untap Reflector Mage the creature, and two turns later, Gear Hulk comes knocking. That's game. That's game! Yeah, like anything, like News Constrictor, uh, like I said, Spellcore, Reflector Mage, anything with high toughness, even Selfless Spirit, like all those cards are, are really good once they get one or two plus multiple counters or even more. Maybe eight. Because <laughs> we have Essence Flux. Or Displacer. Okay, see, this is like the Displacer Spider thing, where it's just like, look, you have Displacer and you have a Gear Hulk, you don't need to combine the two, you know, like either one is probably good enough in most situations. Yeah, it's not something that I've like worked on a ton, but it, it would not shock me if people are, are abusing that interaction. Maybe not like the crux of their game plan, but like the like super end game. I'm going to beat you eventually with this. Yeah, I mean, it definitely ends the game in like two turns as opposed to just like, you know, blinking their stuff so you don't die and then eventually building up and like blinking a bunch of their stuff on tapping, blinking more stuff and then attacking them like it would be nice to actually just kill them. But I do feel like you have Active Displacer or you cast a Gear Hulk and like probably have other stuff going on. Like you're probably in a pretty good spot. I agree. It's a little cute, but it's it's definitely a thing. Inevitability is nice. Doesn't come up very often, but it's certainly nice to have. So who who is talking about synergy versus power? This was you, Andrew, right? Was it? No, it was me. No, it was Majors. Majors yeah, that doesn't seem like about. something I'm smart enough to come up with. Oh, come on. Oh hush. If you if you I, look I, at the, like <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about no i'm talking <laughs> about like putting it in 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 the sentence synergy versus power that's just i don't think that's with that's definitely not within my range i would just say like man shit's busted or man that sucks that's more within <laughs> that's more within look, my range look man you're writing for star city now you gotta be able to explain these things yeah i try my best it takes it takes a lot of draft a lot of drafts two buzzwords right to each other Oh, I'm not a buzzword, dude. Come on. The the five ways to improve your magic game. Doctors, doctors hate him. Michael Majors. <laughs> that, that's our that's our podcast title next week. Yeah, doctors hate him, Michael Majors. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Anyway. anyway, 
if, if you just like go through the list of the cards we've talked about so far, Metalwork Colossus, Gear for Ori, Key to the City, Burger's Gear Hulk, Scrap Heap Scrounger, you know, stuff like that. We're, we're basically just all talking about, maybe with the exception of Burger's Gear Hulk, these cards that are kind of like, some of their parts like work really well Like once you put a little bit of effort into them. And I think that's just a theme that we're going to see uh, with Standard moving forward, especially like an artifact theme block. Uh, you're going to have to kind of work for it, but you'll get these like really cool payoffs for, for deck building. Whereas previously, it was kind of just like you have to do the most efficient thing at a low rate because otherwise stuff like Reflector Mage, Spell Coil, or Collected Company will just keep you in check. And uh, even like the, the super cheap cards were just super powerful, like given enough time because Dustwatch Recruiter, Tireless Tracker are just going to like find Thalia's Lieutenants and just make your two-mana thing like a 10-10 eventually and you're just going to get beat up. So it's... It's always kind of worrisome when a set like this comes out and there's just like a bunch of artifacts and like artifact synergies, but nothing nothing is like cranial plating, right? No one is just like, look, you're gonna play a bunch of artifacts because this is how you're gonna kill people or whatever. And then yeah. you, you just have to you have to do a bunch of brewing and like you have to get kind of scrappy, but like the synergy decks often end up being so good. They're also just like usually really fun to play. Yeah, I gotta say I've I've I have been having a lot of fun playing this format so far. I feel like most people just kind of want to do their thing, right? Like, they, they pick a thing that they think looks sweet, and then they do it. And it's not necessarily just like, you know, I'll play Wild in the God, I'll play Tarmogoyf, I'll Lightning Bolt you or whatever. Because, like, you know, what is that? What is that crap? <laughs> Dude, people like doing that. What do you want? No, I know. They, they do like doing that. But I think most people, you know, have a stronger attachment to just like, oh, I, I like, you know, tribal synergies, or I like artifacts, or whatever. Like, I, and I think that's sweet. I love these sets. And I'm going to find something sweet that I want to do. Maybe it is like Inventor's Apprentice, Copter You, like Nug You, you know. But, you know, that's a thing. Yeah, I mean, that all being said, like, if you just want to, you know, play last month and just go Sylvan Advocate Tracker, Tamiyo, Burger's Gearhawk, like, that is going to be a viable strategy and you can do that. You can only go so wrong doing that, right? Yeah, it's just yeah. I, like, it blows my mind that Andrew thinks that's bad. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like, maybe Hold I'm on, just missing it. He, he hasn't gotten around to testing it, man. <laughs> No, it's how do I conceal as much information from my audience as possible while trying to prove you wrong simultaneously? All right, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just give up. You know, love it. Also, fine with that. Throwing in the towel here. I'm really excited for the post pro tour episode because then we can finally like show off all of our really bad decks. Talk about you know how we did and everything. But for now, I'm gonna concede to you, Michael. Nobody cares about those decks then because like then the good ones have already already been shown off. Yeah, they they care about the bad ones now. <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I can't do it, man. That's fine. Can you tell me one thing? What was your reaction when you saw Revolutionary Rebuff? God, why you gotta? Why you gotta? Yeah, right in the heart, you know. For the record, so... this, is, this is the one blue instant counter target non artifact spell unless it's controller based. I I, I kind of came to terms with like I will never be able to do the thing that I love most in competitive Magic ever again. You know, I'll just move forward from there. So my reaction to this card was like, man, this card should be really good, but if Verger's Gearhulk is the crux of the format, then it's unplayable. But if Verger's Gearhulk is bad, I guess this card's great, right? Well, it's weird, because there's also just, like, copters and stuff. And, yeah. Like, the games go on long enough, especially with, like, Green having Tracker and Duskwatch Recruiter yeah, and stuff. It's like, just they're not... always going to keep mana open. And yeah, it's it, rough. It seems like, yeah, it seems like it just goes dead very quickly. We're even like having conversations where it's like, man, should we just main deck fragmentize like literally all of the decks are just like yes, rush, 
crushing you with these like excellent cards and it's just like a real it's a real conversation right now so check this out if you play a fragmentize and you play against like bant company with no targets or whatever you know bant tomio gear hulk whatever is that any worse than drawing like your ultimate price against random eldrazi deck you know it's kind of the same thing like there are high value targets this is definitely a card that you can play one of because i assume most people are going to have artifacts even like the old decks are likely going to incorporate artifacts to some degree you know like zombies uh whether it's emerge or just like classic blue black they're going to have like keys or whatever you know like people are going to find things to play with i mean it also hits enchantments too like enchantments got a lot better just because of the because because of dromoka's command leaving and like you get to play with stasis snare quarantine field now and then someone just plays their one mana fragmentize and you're dead that's game that's game (laughs) that's game no i agree i think uh this card and also i'm sorry the name escapes me the blue counter target colorless spell is just super powerful yeah, I mean, I do like that card, but I do, like, the fact that it can't hit Gearhawks is kind of troubling. Yeah, sure. But I guess Fragmentize can't hit it either. It's just, like, I would much rather have the removal spell than the counter spell, especially since Fragmentize does hit enchantments, too. Ceremonious Rejection, Michael. Yeah, yep, it, it would, it would not surprise me if people were Fragmentizing in their main deck, but Ceremonious Rejection is probably just going to be, like, one of the best cyber cards in the format. Okie doke. So we talked about the new stuff. We got some brews going on, uh, kind of a general idea of what the format looks like and what certain things like might be happening, like these different artifact synergies that you can build around. Uh, I think in general, there are probably just going to be like some not necessarily beatdown decks, but certainly like proactive, like looking to end the game by like turn six, turn seven decks. Like even in the case of the Colossus deck, like the deck might be kind of slow, but it's also going to kill you very quickly. Like, this format might just be really fast. So, given that, and given the fact that even Andrew does not want to play with miscalculation, I don't feel like control is going to be very good. Yeah, rip. Rip everything I love. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's just, you know, design philosophy of magic. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think it's great for the game, but, you know, me and my little universe is crumbling you can find other ways to make people miserable i'm convinced of that i'm more than happy that for grasp of darkness for ruinous path whatever the new fumigate is not like a viable path that's fine with me just just point and click play some planeswalkers that's it (laughs) yeah your your planeswalkers get card that's that's very similar to the coddle tarmogoyf bolt just like in reverse (laughs) yeah you're just playing your, your most efficient card every turn, killing their thing, hoping your Planeswalker sticks. Like, that's not interesting. Uh, not really. Uh, I don't know. Planeswalkers are interesting. There's, there's like, so much haste. I, I feel like the Planeswalkers are all, like, pretty bad. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. I mean, like, they're not, like, bad, bad. They're not unplayable. I think all four of the Planeswalkers in this set are pretty pushed, likely because this is kind of a harsh environment for Planeswalkers. Well, yep. we'll see. I don't know. Uh, anyway, we talked about like all the new stuff that looks cool, but there is a lot of old stuff that is also pretty good that we should probably talk about. So uh, we have Team Merge, I think, as the big one. Not only did it do well in the Pro Tour, Majors refined it, Top 8 the Invitational, a lot of people did a lot of similar things like comparatively to Majors deck at Worlds, and the format was half Team or Emerge, so I feel like that's kind of indicative of what is going to happen once the set comes out. Yeah, I think it's like the clear level one, week one deck. Didn't really lose much of anything except for like the Turbo Emrakul style of Lost Nissus Pilgrimage, which is definitely a significant hit. 
but uh, like losing out of the pack is no big deal at all. And picked up a couple new toys like filigree familiar and things along those lines. So thank you. Uh, should be prepared to fight Elder Deep in Coslex return. Do you like the fast land in the deck or no? I have been playing it. And I think okay. it's fine. So are, are we talking like green blue in the old school styles or blue red? Uh, I'm talking green blue. I can see all blue red, but I really don't want it. Yeah, no, I don't want a blue red. Uh, I've I've been focusing more on like the Andrew style, like the version he topped the Pro Tour, more of like the mid range deck, less Emrakul. Okay, yeah. so you have lumbering falls already, so you're definitely in there. Uh, no, I think I had one lumbering falls in my deck. Oh, I have zero currently. Don't like it too much. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm mostly focused on Aether Hub and Evolving Wilds to find waste for uh, Matter Reshaper. I, I'm not on for Evolving Wilds, but I am on for Aether Hub. Aether Hub is just so good in this deck, too. Being able to reliably cast your Coslex Return frontside and cast Matter Reshaper is sweet. Plus, like since you lost um, Yabamaya Coast and Shivan Reef, like you need to fill your those slots up with something else. So the one that I want to play is just like the four Traverse, four Primal Druid, uh, some Pilgrim's Eyes, and Familiars. You can play Heatron Archive if you want a Pilgrimage Replacement. Obviously, it's not even close to the same thing, but it kind of still does the trick. I still want to play like the two Shrines and maybe just the full amount of Pilgrim's Eyes to actually make it so I get to seven mana. But at that point, Shrine helps you cast Emrakul at eight or cast Emrakul at like six and do something else that turn, maybe. Like, maybe Deep Fiend, I don't know, but... I would play Kiora in this deck. Kiora's been great so far. I definitely want all Planeswalker. I'm not sure which one it should be. It should probably be Kiora, though. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, you don't have Gather the Pack, so there are going to be times when your Emrakul is a little too expensive because you did not mill yourself enough. Uh, there's the two-drop artifacts that just, like, taps to mill you two. I think that card stinks, but I think the Contingency Plan might actually be playable. Mm. and that's a reason for the blue-green fast land. As an aside, I think Perpetual Timepiece is quite good in like the zombie mill-yourself style, but I, I agree that it doesn't really belong in this deck. Yeah, and you only have X amount of like Deep Fiends or Emrakuls, and like if you like mill your grapples, you don't have Jace anymore to flash them back, so they're like the importance of grapple really goes up even more so now that um, you don't have that rebuy effect. Well, I don't know. I feel like Grapple is not a very good Delirium Enabler. I feel like Grapple was good alongside other Delirium Enablers, just because then you actually got a selection, you know? But have you ever cast, like, a turn two Grapple and missed? Because I know Majors has. Yep. Uh, grapple is just... I mean, I've, I've talked about this ad nauseum, but basically just hold on to your Grapples as long as possible. You definitely don't want to lean on it to enable, like, Hishkinoff, for example. Yep. Yeah. So I kind of want something else to help along that, especially if you know, you can only draw Vessel of Nascency so much. I mean, so, you could just jam Primal Druid on, too. No, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to do that. I, I, I'm just saying that, like, if, if the game goes on and you're not filling your graveyard, then your Emrakul is going to be very expensive, so I would like to have something in addition to Vessel. I think Timepiece stinks, and I think Contingency Plan might be good, which means that the Green Fast Land is good, even though it's kind of a tilt in the later stages of the game, and this deck definitely wants all of its lands need to be untapped, so it's tough. But Aether Hub, definitely great. I think contingency plan could actually be completely fine because now that you don't have Mrs. Pilgrimage to work out of the pack, you don't actually have any sorceries in your deck. You just have Traverse. Traverse is like, you're going to have four enchantments, four sorceries, eight instants, Coslex Return may or may not count, and then a handful of artifacts now. Yeah, like four artifacts. So it's, it's like a decent spread. Two it's, planeswalkers. It's just like hard to get lands into your graveyard, though. 
Yep, that's why I wanted to like Pokemon yeah. Worlds. I actually think, man, crap, I can't think of the name. Uh, the one in the blue enchantment, enchant vehicle or creature, minus four, minus zero, gain two energy. Aether Meltdown. Aether Meltdown. Dude, that card is so generous. Yeah, yeah, that card's pretty sweet. Why does it have so many abilities? <laughs> building building your deck to incorporate that card, uh, because it's an interactive spell that you can get off Vessel, uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Especially when you're already interested in playing Aether Hub, and you can very well play Servant of the Conduit, so you have like a little bit of ways to you know make energy work for you. So I, that, that's a card I have my eye on for emerge. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm I definitely think that card's good. Uh, okay. Another thing like about the emerge deck is like it's still just equally as hard to play as it was like in the past too. Have you found that to be true, Michael? Yeah, I mean I don't know why it would have gotten easier. <laughs> I don't know. I mean I, I think it's arguably harder now because it's it's just more difficult to do the thing that you were trying to do like. You don't have pilgrimage. You don't have a high density of delirium enablers. You know, it's just really tough. Yeah, I think your, your deck is like a little bit scrappier in a weird way because previously you're kind of like doing nothing until you just had the world, and now you're kind of like playing a normalized game in the first three to four turns instead of just like playing all enablers. I, I've definitely had to like win by like chip shotting my opponent a little bit more than like last time where you could just you just like establish this time walk lock on them okay so that deck's definitely good uh what about zombies you feel like zombie emerges is, is still kind of like a dark horse thing it saw some success in the later stages of the format but not a ton yeah so i, I basically have two versions of zombies right now and a, a couple in between that are a little less refined but two real versions uh one is kind of like Turbo, turbo self mill excuse me that plays like perpetual time piece and the one mana artificer that can mill a player for three using energy. You just play like all of the stuff, like Scrap Deep Scrounger, Prize Amalgam, Haunted Dead, Kozlek's Return. I have corpse churns in my deck, like just hardcore, mill the crap out of yourself, just get it all. And uh, the second version is more like, not even really a zombies deck, it's just you would classify it that way in the past because of like, you know, Haunted Dead, Prize Amalgam incidentally being zombies. And this is more of like an artifact-based one that plays like Clinton S. Crane, uh, again, Scrap Heap Scrounger, which is like the big upgrade to the deck in my eyes. And then uh, Smuggler's Copter, which is also a great discard outlet, and, you know, key to the city, etc. So what about traditional, like, blue-black, maybe Splashing Cave Return, and, like, Mindbender and stuff? Yeah, I mean, th those are cards that are in these decks. The Artifact version plays uh, Voldaren Pariah, and the Turbo Self-Mill version plays Kozlek's Return again, because, you know, I'm just going to put a bunch of cards in my graveyard. So both routes yeah. are viable, and the less, like, quote-unquote zombie you are like the better the deck is because crit breaker and uh, relentless dead just suck yeah Voldaren pariah is still extremely good crit breaker i'm kind of fine with relentless dead is just not good yeah crit breaker is it's like okay like I, I don't expect there to be a critical mass of like liliana's in the format so maybe it stock rises a bit yeah. i don't know it's just so like why, why why would i be doing that when i can just be key to the city <laughs> yeah true that no nah, that's legit I don't know, I just like the idea of, especially if you have Pariah, you have this one drop that on turn two, you get to discard whatever card you want, like Amalgam, Haunted Dead, whatever, make a 2-2, and then you're just like threatening Pariah from the get instead of just like having to build up. And, you know, it gives you a way to pressure people and stuff. But I, I'm not saying it's great. I'm just saying that it like does not disgust me. Like it costing two mana and like key costing zero mana to Pariah is like a pretty big thing. Like... Getting to getting to turn five when you can like discard with Crypt Breaker, Madness in Pariah, and flip it same turn. Like a lot has to go right for that to be really good. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I definitely like paying the two mana up front 
uh, on key. Yeah. And just being able to madness later, that's definitely very yeah. appealing. Key being free is like the best part about it. I, I said I don't understand why it's free. It, I don't think it should be. It, it might not have been meant to be a constructed shot. Yeah, it's a pretty awkward card that's not obviously powerful. Who knows? But look, man, we gotta we gotta dig deep to get these cards in our graveyard for delirium and you know for our madness enablers and stuff. And this card just does it all. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> ten out of ten, it's really good. I give it, I give it like an eight out of ten. You know? Yeah, sure. Five out of seven. How about that? Sure. I mean, you only want to draw one, but it is the the first one is just so good. Well, you can just cycle it off the key if you draw a second one, man. Yeah, of course. Anyway, Tomio, thumbs up. Thumbs yes. up. Still great. Big takeaway is a lot of like weird artifacts with various activated abilities are in the set, and Tamio just kind of shuts them all down. So uh, she was good before, but Collected Company was kind of uh, on top of her, and now she's just sick. She's the best thing you can do it for in the Bant decks now. Yeah, because you, you have this high density of threes, right? And then this is the perfect four. There's certainly still an argument for Gideon. Uh, Gideon is still a great magic card, but I think Tamio kind of mm -hmm. supports the green creature base better than Gideon does. Well, I also just think that, like, ABC is easier to cast than CC. Yeah, yeah. certainly that as well. And, like, in, in the in the car format, I, I think it's a lot easier to get, like, immediate value off Tamio. Like, it, it's, it's easier to get value off your Planeswalker with Tamio just because, like, if she dies immediately, you can still, like, you know, draw some cards. With, with Gideon, like, you just kind of, you just get a 2-2 and that's it. Agreed. I feel like if the games are fast-paced, frost-breathing, whatever they have is definitely going to be way more impactful than Gideon just in general. Yep. Especially if it it's like really detrimental to shut down like what they're trying to do, you know, just like freeze their Hedron archive or whatever. Tamio does a lot. I'm pretty impressed so far. Yeah. There's, there's so many incidental interactions that Tamio just provides huge bursts of tempo and makes it to where your opponent just like can't attack or block effectively. She's just really powerful. So Liliana, we haven't really been building Liliana decks. Is that a mistake? Built one, died a bunch. I think okay. Green Black Delirium is still a fine deck. It's just, generally speaking... doesn't have a sweeper. Uh, well, that, that was a trick. Yeah, but like, sweepers of... aren't even good. Yeah, That's also true. If you had language, how many would you play? Like two? Maybe? Yeah, still something. Yeah, I don't know. Like I think Liliana is still a great card, and Green Black Delirium is a fine deck, and it will certainly be a week one deck at the very least. Generally speaking, I think it's okay and pretty obvious, but I'm not excited about it. And... You know, you could put Liliana in, like, some of these Zombies decks, and it's totally fine, because rebuying your random, uh, or excuse me, uh, Emerge Creatures is, is powerful. But, uh, generally speaking, I don't think Liliana's super impressive right now. I'm not seeing a ton of stuff that actually just cleanly dies to Liliana. It's like, you need to work so hard. It does work fairly well. Like, even if you're not killing something, you can generally, like, eliminate the small, dinky creature's ability to crew up. Uh, which is relevant. Oh, uh, that is nice. That is something that I had not thought of. Like, if you just shrink their apprentice, they can't necessarily do anything with it, which is pretty sweet. That's that's where Bushwhacker comes in, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, so last one that I think is probably pretty sweet is Cryptolith, right? It goes back to our previous discussion of just, like, the stock of enchantments rising, and this is... I don't know if I would say it has, like, the highest ceiling, but it's pretty damn high. This card's really good. And, like, since you have this and you can go down, like, the Loam Dryad route, you can have Aether Hub and uh, the Servant, the, the 1G energy mana maker thing. Like, you can just play whatever color combination you want. Mm -hmm. And you can just splash fourth and fifth colors, I think, pretty easily. Yep. 
no language to punish you anymore. Uh, still some white sweepers, but you know, difference between five and four mana is significant. I want to play Peel with this card, but I don't think the red cards are very appealing. I agree. Tilt. Maybe I'll just splash Pia. I don't know. Yeah, if you're <laughs> gonna play red cards, just like kill your opponent as fast as key as you can. Oh yeah, but what if what if I could just make two mana with Pia? That'd be so great. I mean, you know, honestly, Catacomb Sifter still exists. Yeah, that's a card too. Yeah, that card's you know, gas. Aether Hub and I, once again, I forget the name of the mana creature. I suck. Servant of the Conduit. Servant. See, that's what I thought it was, and I'm looking at it right now, and I just didn't want to say it'd be wrong. So, yeah. So you have like twelve things that are super easy to put in your deck that just provide any color. So and that's not even counting Crypto of Right itself. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty good. That, that's it, Andrew. You're not going to expand on you know, <laughs> what, what parts of the rainbow are good and which ones we should select. And put you just said next. it was good. Uh, and you said it with like a sigh in your voice. Like, please, let's stop talking. <laughs> like, you know, kind of like the old fashioned, like four color cryptolith right deck that um, has the Zulaport infinite combo in it. You know, with like all with all the pain lands and Eldrazi displacer reflector mage catacomb sifter. Like, I still think that like. General Shell is pretty good, and um, since there's no more Dramokas Command, like it, it makes your right so safe. That deck's not fancy, though. That deck definitely does not take advantage of the rainbow. Mm. I mean, you're playing Catacomb Sifter, Reflector Mage, and you're trying to activate Eldrazi Displacer. Yeah, I guess it is four and a half colors. Yeah. Well, there's no, like, like requirement anymore, so I think we can go big. I mean, what red card would you put in this deck? Yeah. <laughs> i mean just to make two guys like it doesn't seem well, that great so if you're going off and you make infinite scions right or no i guess you can't make infinite scions you deal them infinite damage yeah you just infinite drains well okay so maybe you don't go off you just play a couple brood monitors and then like hmm, maybe that doesn't work either could like sack a bunch of scions activate po bunch pump up your thopter maybe <laughs> get their thopter buddy because <laughs> they also are playing multiple brood monitors i don't know man whatever thopter bro i believe in you <laughs> yeah actually that's not that's not too bad like you can generate a lot of mana with this deck and like riding your thopter bro to victory i can see that uh do you do you, do you still play copter in this deck i assume it's still good i am not playing copter Okay. Just depends what you're trying to do, I guess. Like, yeah. I, I could see arguments for, like, well, I would appreciate being able to sift through some cards, you know? So, cool. Maybe I could just block with this thing. Who cares? Or it's just, like, if you're playing a Cryptolith right deck, then you have creatures and you want to be attacking them and sifting through stuff. So, yeah. I don't know. It kind of fits, kind of doesn't. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that Smuggler's Copter is going to prove to be one of those cards that people try to put into too many decks. And this this conversation is a good example, in my opinion. I think they're probably not putting it in enough decks. I, I agree with Jerry, but probably yeah, Copter doesn't tap for mana. In, in the beginning, yes, but I think as as the format develops and everyone kind of realizes that it's a staple, then they're just going to like jam it in because it's a colorless two-mana card. Vampire zombie helicopter deck. Well, it sounds great in that deck. <laughs> I was thinking like blue-white control. Like, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Maybe maybe play some dragon fodders to make servos and crew your copters or whatever. <laughs> just get them that way. I don't know. It sounds rancid. So what what decks are good? What are people actually going to play? You know, I think some sort of like green white strategy, Bant, Tamio, green black delirium stuff. I think that's going to be pretty popular in the first SEG, just because they're like pretty simple, play a lot of powerful cards, and like you're not you're not trying to shoot for the moon, I guess. Yeah, not a lot of artifacts in those decks. Yep, put more put more artifacts in your decks. Those are good. Just look at the crane, be like, man, this is such good value. 
how do I make sure that it's not just ETB, look at the bottom four cards in my library. <laughs> and, you know, if, if you look at it, if you look at the spoiler, you have to stretch a little bit, but then that's good because it ends up, you know, where you have like key to the city in your deck and you actually try it and stuff. So get out there, build some decks, do some sweet stuff. Yep. Have Glutinous Crane trick you into playing the good new cards in your deck. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, I guess my advice for week one is try not to die super fast. Yeah, but how do you prevent that? You know, is, is that like a K return thing, a filigree familiar thing, a dub sorcery smother your artifact thing? Like, how do you not die, Andrew? Give us the secret. Dude, I don't, that's, that's the thing. I don't know how to not die. Is it, is it Dove and Bond? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> is it the Tumble Magnet? Maybe. Probably not, though. There are a lot of good two-drop two defensive cards, so just put those in your decks. You'll be fine. Primal Druid, Glint, Nescreen, Smuggler's Copter, the Blue Enchantment, Harnessed by Lightning, Grasp of Darkness, all those cards are good. I do have Advocate. Immolating Glare in one of my decks. Oh, come on, man. I'm trying, you know. Just just let me let me do my thing. Isn't Blessed Alliance just better? No, targeting no. Tar- targeting is really, really good. Because like, when they attack yeah. you with their like, doofuses in a, in a car, you want to kill the car. Okay, that's reasonable. All right. Are we good? Michael, your turn. Yep, agreed. That's game. Yeah, maybe we should move on to uh, that's game. Ah, oh, damn it! I thought you were gonna end it. No, I mean we could just end it there if, if you want. <laughs>